comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. DCTV Podcast, episode 47, and uh, wow, a lot going on this week. We had the Flash Arrow crossover this week. We had uh, the Gotham uh, uh, season uh, fall finale this week. We had Red Tornado making his debut this week, something I never <laughs> thought I'd see on TV. Right. But uh, we're, we're here to parse it all out for you now. Uh, we also had a, a huge trailer drop this week, which we'll also talk about right off the bat here. But allow me to introduce my co-host here on the DCTV Podcast this week. First off, um, the man, the myth, the legend, the podcasting tycoon, uh, Theo Gallivan's personal podcaster, Mr. Daryl Taylor. Hello, hello. Check him out on the Gallivan cast, or maybe not now, after Gotham what happened at the end of Gotham. It would burn. <laughs> and uh, also joining us, uh, since Richard Chubto Children could not be here, the lovely and talented Vandal Savage's knife sharpener, Ms. <laughs> Jerry Atkinson. Team Tabitha! <laughs> That, uh, he had a lot yeah. of knives, man. A whole lot. <laughs> Team Tabitha. Team Tabitha. Yeah. Tabitha, the backpacks, she was ready to go. She was like, okay, bro, whatevs, laters. Yeah, like, well, she she wasn't feeling too kindly about the way he was treating Silver, but we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Twice. She's done that twice with Silver, and she didn't like when Barbara Gordon, when she felt like she was slighted either. Right. And she's mm. a woman and stuff. So. Yeah, man. She's girl power for sure. Team Girl Power, Team Tabitha. And her ears don't stick out like Theo's. Very true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a plus. Very true. Um, before we get into the shows, I wanted to talk really quick. Uh, just before we uh, recorded, like early, uh, I think it was last late last night, uh, we got to see what I assume will be the final trailer for Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Maybe. Because I don't really know how much more they would want to show now that they've shown this trailer, uh, this new trailer. Uh, it was uh, debuted, I think, on was it Jimmy Kimmel last night, mm-hmm. and then of course immediately jumped out on the internet, and everyone and their brother oh, has posted yeah. it, and all over the book of face, as Jerry was calling it earlier. So, what did you guys think of this trailer? I I loved it, but I'm I'm very biased. I've been I'm, I love this movie. I mean, I'm already been excited about this movie, uh, especially since I enjoyed uh, Man of Steel. So I was totally in. It started weird too. It, it, it was a different way to start a a superhero film to have them, uh, you know, Clark come out. We'll have Bruce come out, get out of the car, and then them both to uh, kind of face each other and talking about each other, you know, in the third person obliquely. You yeah. Know I mean? like, yeah. How do you feel about the bad vigilante of Gotham? You know, he's like that intensity though. That, uh, yeah. that maybe it's uh, Gotham. Like we, has... we don't uh, we don't like guys who dress up like clowns. You know? Yeah. 
Affleck seems like he's going for almost like a younger Eastwood or something. You know Even I mean? the way he looks at Clark in the his just in the eyes, it, he just looks different. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What do you I think? Like, it reminded me of kind of the animated series Batman, where he's like old and grizzled, and you know he's like war torn and such. Like and Batman I, Beyond. I, yes, exactly. That's what I meant. Sorry. Uh, when they did the, the trailer, I was like watching and I was like waiting for there to be something that I was thinking it was going to be hokey. And when there wasn't anything at all, I was thinking, oh, my God, all the people that have been, you know, talking about Baffleck this, Baffleck that. I, I could just feel them eating their, their words and stuff. They're going to be so freaking pissed off at themselves. <laughs> I thought he was fine. A lot, of, a lot of crap. Yeah, I tell you, he took a lot of crap, but I thought he was fine in this. I mean, oh. Batman and, and Bruce Wayne. Um, I mean, my huge takeaway from this is how kind of over the top Jesse Eisenberg was playing Luthor. Yeah, you know I mean, he was almost like uh, like a Riddler, almost or almost like the Hackman Luthor in some ways. Just kind of, you know, almost campy in, in kind of this like over the top goofy way. Yeah, he is. He is going for the campy psychotic killer. Who I was if that was because they're they're starting him young, you know, maybe, maybe. and then going to mature into his dignified Luther man of industry, future politician role. I don't know. Well, maybe it's more of like you know the like a like I mean he you know Eisenberg played uh, Zuckerberg in uh, the Social Network, so maybe it's mm-hmm. more like one of those like Elon Musk uh, Zuckerberg kind of like uh, you know I could give zero f's about what anyone thinks. I I have the money. I I am smarter than everyone else in the room. Well, it, it seems like he didn't even look at the world like it like it's like it matters. He looks at the world like it's his plaything. That would be more realistic to today's generation of moguls. I mean, because that's his, like the, the the charismatic way he's walking up to them and he's introducing himself to both of the to uh, Clark and and Bruce and he just has that look of you know like none of this matters you know like to me like right. none of this stuff. This is I'm manipulating everybody here and that's what I like. And it's, it's cool, too. You see the way that they changed Superman over the years, like from Superman the movie to this. Mm-hmm. They're also changing Luthor. I mean, like the 70s Luthor in Superman the movie was obviously kind of born of camp, kind of you know from a Batman 66 place. Right. And Luthor in the comics in the 80s was very much like the 80s businessman, you know, the kind of Reagan era you know, businessman or whatever kind of a, um, a reflection of that. You know, the 90s mm-hmm. animated uh, Luthor was kind of, you know, more of an extension of evil corporate uh, interests and kind of, you know, um, like uh, haughty elitism. And then you look at this, and it's kind of like a, a, almost like a millennial Luthor. You know what I mean? He's kind of like, like right. a, you know, he just doesn't care. It's just all about you know, the manipulation in the game. He's not that far away from how Spacey played it. Yeah. In Superman Returns. That reminds me of that. Yeah. He wore a That's white not- suit in a dark <laughs> Christonian plant, uh, city. Plus, Spacey had that weird kind of, like, goofy, but then very menacing turn-on-a-dime thing going on. Oh, yeah. You know I mean, that totally. kind of psycho thing he does so well. But I, I like this trailer a lot. I like that we got to see some more Wonder Woman. I don't know whether um, showing off Doomsday this early in the game was a good idea for them. Well, I think it was, like, the Doomsday was the worst-kept secret if you go on the Yeah, I mean, I, oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was. well, I mean, they, they I think there was, uh, like, uh, like two years ago or something, they said Doomsday would be mm-hmm. part of it. But, 
I, you know, that reveal in this trailer was was incredible. But I just, you know, I mean, they're they're marketing people. They know what they're doing, obviously. You kind of yeah. have to up their game. I mean, once you have Thanos in the Marvel universe, I mean, what are you going to do? You're, you're going to do Doomsday. You're going to do Dark Side. You're going to pull out the big guns, right? I mean, and it be hell to pay. <laughs> and it looked like they had to like every outburst that has been about the trailer before this, the movie, they kind of had to answer in this. It seemed like they answered in this trailer. Like the whole thing of why is Batman fighting Superman? And why, you know, like, are they going to just be, you know, fighting the entire movie? Like, or, you know, why, why is that going to be the case? And in the trailer, it basically tells you why. I mean, he actually says it. Like, he's telling Alfred, you know, he brought the fight here. He brought that destruction here. Plus, it's and funny it, for us, like, uh, it's such a trope in the comics for the heroes to fight and then become friends. Right. And for us, it's like, it's been a tried and true, like, cliche, but for all the time. movie audiences, maybe not as much. <laughs> I mean... I guess not. Well, it's funny, because yeah. even people who like, who are comic readers, who don't like this movie at all, and they're never going to like this movie. They, they don't like anything Snap Snyder has done, because they've actually said, I don't like anything Scott Snyder has done. So it doesn't matter what they do, you know, they're not going to like this. But um, I guess it's just certain things that they had to... Because it's funny, because I've seen complaints online about it, uh, that it it showed them fighting too much. And now I see complaints online about it, like, why are they... Um, why are they... Ju- oh, no, I know, that was, this is my favorite one. The, the complaints about the movie not having any banter or jokes in it, like maybe the Avengers or, or Cap and the Marvel, the Marvel movies. Now I saw, I even saw the same person complain that I didn't like that Albert and Costello joke thing they did at the end oh of the trailer when they both said, uh, I thought she was with you. That was too. It, it, it. I didn't like it. That doesn't. I didn't. I didn't like that they did. There's that. always gonna be somebody trolling, dude. There's always gonna yeah. be somebody. No, but you're never I, gonna I've please everybody. More, yeah, and I've seen more than one person saying it. But it's funny how it goes from the movie's too dark. It has no. You know, it doesn't have any of the banter in it. And then they show you that it's a little bit of banter in it. And then people complaining about right. It has banter. Why are they? Why are they joking? It shouldn't be something they're joking about. <laughs> so it's like I don't. You can't. You can't win. Well, they're making assumptions either way too. You know what I mean? I yeah. mean, you're only you've only seen like a trailer. You know, mm-hmm. a teaser and a trailer of this movie. How can you make assumptions as to you know what it's going to be like? What the dialogue's going to be like? You know, what, you know, right. what, is there going to be banter in it? Like you said, you know, or whatever. And they pretty much kind of they pretty much tell you the plot. I mean, it's they. Pretty much spell it, it looks out. Looks like Luthor takes Zod's dead body and turns it into Doomsday. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's the deal. They basically tell you that. Even at the even at the last part where there's something that he take they take from Wonder Woman as well, it, or from Paradise Island. I would I would say there's something taken from her to bring her into the into the fight. Like it's a cool action scene to see yeah. Wonder Woman save Batman like that. Mm-hmm. But then you think, wow, why'd you why'd you do it now? That could have been in the movie. Like that could have been a surprise we catch in the movie. Why did you show it now? Well, 
to see it in the movie too, right? I mean, that's how I felt about Doomsday. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That reveal. I thought it could have been like, wow, that's awesome, but why are you showing me that now? That would have been, you know, some of the movie. But I thought it was a good trailer. I really I enjoyed it a lot. I did too. I did too. I, but, I, anyone would say, why would Batman fight Superman? To me, that's just ludicrous. Like, why would anybody come out of their mouth with that? Oh, there's a lot of that online. Um, oh, well, I mean, and, and not, uh, especially like... ...knows that Batman has a contingency plan for every superhero, period. Because you never know when something's going to go on. When there's some freaking red kryptonite or somebody gets brainwashed or somebody does this. It's happened too many times in the comic book world. Well, yeah, but I mean, you and I and, and Daryl know that because we're in the comic book it. world. But like people who just know Batman from the movies and Superman from the movies, I mean, people who who are geeks ask me all the time, "Why are Batman and Superman fighting in this one?" You know, and I think this trailer kind of like does it in, in visual, visual shorthand, yeah. and, and with a few you know voiceovers kind of explains that to the the mass public who's going to make this movie a success. It's not going to be the geeks who, who, yeah, who make this a success. People. It's going to be if it crosses over to a mass public audience like Avengers did or like Guardians did. You know? Right. The civilians. Yeah, the civilians. <laughs> and they put it out. I mean, they... Re- well, I guess because of... And it has to be because of it. Because of how div- div- divisive this Bye. has been. This movie, the man still has been and uh, the talk of this movie in particular. Uh, this is a different type of trailer than what I think a film that doesn't have that, that that doesn't have that issue would have done because they really put things in it to kind of say it's okay to come see this movie. It did. I mean, the, the, you know, showing Batman and them working together. Calm down. It's, it's okay. like it's okay. It's good. Yeah. You can you can watch this. I can see you know, the the first act being set up, the second act being like Dark Knight totally. uh, Returns with them mm-hmm. them fighting, and then the third act, them uh, being brought together by Wonder Woman is like, you right. know, get your head out of your asses, look what's happening over here with the Doomsday, mm-hmm. and a little bit of Jason Momoa helping out at the end, roll credits. Yeah. And now even, I just spoiled all of that interview. You pretty much did. <laughs> they even put it out there that it must have been time that's passed, and Superman is not as hated as we thought. Like, from the trailer, I thought he'd be hated more. Yeah. By the world, and not just Metropolis, but you know, outside of Metropolis, I thought he'd be hated more. But uh, even in the in the dialogue in the beginning, you kind of get a sense of of people really starting to respond positively to to Superman. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Again, it reminds me of all the speculation before the Man of Steel. Well, like when the Man of Steel trailer came out. Mm-hmm. Remember, they had the scene with the Why does he have a beard? Right. Why is he wearing a shirt in the scene? You know, and that like was like one four minute sequence in the movie. You know, we will soon see. What was it three months now? So many good movies coming out, man. Oh my god, I got to get through Star Trek. I mean, Star Wars first, and then yeah. I can prepare myself for. Uh, yeah, Star this. Wars. Okay, there was also a lot of good uh, TV this week. Yeah. Oh yeah. And we have five big shows to cover. Let's go ahead and start with uh, Supergirl, yeah. season one, episode six. Uh, aired November 30th, in case you're playing along at home. And the episode was titled Red-Faced. And why? Because we got the red friggin' tornado in this episode. <laughs> and people get okay. mad. Let's let's sound it off. Okay, we've got Jay Garrick Flash, Earth uh-huh. 2, uh-huh. Gorilla City, uh-huh. <laughs> Grodd. Right. Now we got, we're going to get Gem Son of Saturn. Uh-huh. We possibly have Martian Manhunter as one of the Supergirl. Could be. Sides. 
Um, Hawkman, Hawkgirl. Mm-hmm. What am I forgetting? I mean, it's like the entire Freeze. DCU. Mr. Freeze. Oh, oh yeah. Mr. Freeze is coming Mr. to Gotham. Freeze yeah, is yeah. coming. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty I was awesome. like, really? Really all the villains of Gotham are going to show their faces? Really? Almost. I there. Okay, but we're talking about Supergirl right now. <laughs> right. Uh, Supergirl's flying through the sky as she is in most episodes during her opening monologue in her mind, I guess. And uh, comes down and stops a road rage um, incident with a soccer team, a boys soccer team. Oh, and add to that, uh, could you, I mean, Alex, could you back off and let her, let her sister fly a little bit? I mean... I know, she has no, no recreation time at all. Exactly. As soon as she's flying, what, something happened? What's wrong? Why are you flying? Like, calm down, Alex. I'm flying because it's fun. I'm saying. It reminds me of that story about the Samaritan in Astro City, you know, where he's like, well, I actually got to fly for 12 minutes today for fun. Yeah. Because he's always spending the rest of the time saving people or whatever. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, it kind of goes wrong, though. This guy, like, uh, tries to take a swing at her because she's, you know, wrecks his car and um, breaks his wrist and the children are kind of scared of her. Oh, he was an asshole. Oh, yeah, when dude tried to hit her, what do you care? You're not going to feel that punch. That's going to be like somebody flipping you. That's irritating. Doesn't hurt. I mean, on top of you tried to hit a whole thing, a, a group of kids. That me? But let him hit you if that's what he needs to do. Then let them get that on tape. I, she, I know she wasn't thinking. I know that's the theme of the show, but I was yelling. So... Well, I, I mean, yeah, I don't, I mean, they, I mean, literally, you tried to hit a group of kids with your car. Yes, that was upsetting, but at the end of the day, she's still Supergirl. She can take, like, a lot of punches. I know, but I'd have been pissed. I'd have punched him in the stomach or something. You don't have to decondone him. You don't have to. I know, it's wrong, and that's, you know, and that's what, you know, the issue is with this, with having these powers, and that's the... I like that they introduced that. Like that, that is the problem. Like you have the power to do a lot of damage, and I can see why people are scared of that. They're not exactly wrong for being scared oh. of you, because your anger is human. Like you, you, you get angry just like a human gets angry, but you're not allowed to. Absolutely. The incident makes the news, and Maxwell Lord uses it, you know, as an opportunity to hurt Supergirl in the press course uh he can press it to police brutality which is totally not what happened Mm-mm. totally different thing um well so in the uh continuing lucy and james thing uh, lucy's uh telling james that her dad general sam lane is in town and wants to have dinner james not too keen on that because uh he's not a big fan uh, the other uh, mother and daughter thing, uh, or um, you know, parent parental thing going on. Uh, Catherine, Cat Grant's mom, is in town. Not very nice to her either. Uh, General Lane shows up the DEO to request the Supergirl be uh, uh, if he could borrow Supergirl for the day to test out uh, Red Tornado, an android, an anti-insurgent android created by Doctor T. O. Morrow. What? Yay, DC. Say <laughs> what? So that night they have game night. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's James and uh, and uh, Win and Kara and Lucy and Cat. They were that couple. And it was it was almost as awkward as the uh, Felicity Ray Palmer 
Um, <laughs> it totally was. Yeah, it was just like super awkward and, and yeah. worth. It was like, let me watch you and your girlfriend be super cute and have all this in common and be able to finish experiences uh, while I vomit over here in my solitude. It, exactly. <laughs> right. Like, oh, come on, people. But like, this is also when Cat Grant's kind of like, you know, oh, can you do something else besides pine over James Olsen? So I mean, it's obvious she knows, she knows as well. You know, it's Everybody like she's not knows. blind. She's not blind. On the next day, Supergirl is going to uh, fight torna- Red Tornado, and Kara's like ready to blow off some steam after all that fun stuff. Um, she unleashes all of her power on Red Tornado and beats him, but she beats him so hard that Red Tornado goes into emergency self-preservation protocol and flies off. Also, at the same time, General Lane immediately fires Dr. Dr. Morrow. Maybe not a good move. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many disgruntled scientists in these shows. Yeah. If you notice. And, and you notice there's never an incarnation of uh, of General Lane that is actually a good guy. Right. He's always a jerk. And, and I mean, the, in the animated versions, the, the TV, he's always the same type of character. Have you ever met an army general? Uh, I saw one yell at somebody before. I know, but have you literally like ever met an army general? No, not like had a conversation with one. It's pretty dead on. When they're in uniform, that's kind of their persona. More in the army uniform and can testify. I I've never met one that I was like, oh, he's genuinely a humanitarian. <laughs> <laughs> he might be, you know, nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> there not gonna is. happen. Uh, I, I mean, that's their persona. I'm not saying that's them in person, but when they have the uniform on and they're playing the role, it's very much what they're paid to be. Well, yeah, especially him. Well, he's like that even when he's not in uniform when he's, and all the time with his kids. That, that's always been his betrayal. Betrayal there are. Yeah. Being the, uh, the there kind are. of stern father. She can't turn off. Yeah, that's that's yeah. also true. My stepfather was a Marine, so that, and he wasn't a general. That does happen. <laughs> Uh, Kara goes back to work, and Cat starts yelling at her about something, and Kara yells at Cat. Oh, that was cool. But then immediately starts apologizing and is immediately embarrassed because Cat's like kind of impressed by it. So they decide, she decides they need to take the day off and drink. Mm-hmm. Because they're wish... both they're both full of rage. Oh, I wish my boss would do that. <laughs> I'm full of rage every day. <laughs> You'd be drunk every day. <laughs> What's the problem? <laughs> I don't you don't, you don't see the problem. You don't see the problem with that. Scenario. I don't see a problem in that scenario at all. You know why is General like always mad? How can he possibly bitch at her for triggering his emergency self-preservation mode when they never told her that was a possibility? Yeah, or why would you even program that? Right, Elaborate. into no, it. Program that without a know? failsafe. Yeah. Well, yeah, but without a failsafe. True. Turn it off. I mean, you're putting millions and millions of dollars into constructing this Android, mm-hmm. and you're not going to have like a, 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 a fail, an override or a failsafe to turn it off. If that much investment, you would think that would be an impossibility, truly. Well, he does a great job of passing the buck a lot in this episode. Also, trademark of a army higher up, Yes, he does a good job with that one. Ain't my fault. Yes. Kara have a heart to heart about uh, anger, and 
pretty much tells Kara she has to figure out what she's really mad about. Like, she's not actually mad at Kat yelling at her, but she needs to figure out what it is she's mad about. Speaking over of anger and, and bad feelings, uh, James, Lucy, and the general go out to dinner. And uh, the general obviously doesn't think that uh, James is good enough for Lucy. Oh, guess who's coming to dinner for real? <laughs> With Major Dad, right? With Major Dad. Dad yeah. Oh, boy. Um, Red Tornado shows up and attacks General Lane. Supergirl arrives. There's a harder time fighting him this time because uh, Red Tornado has learned from their last encounter. You know, I uh, kinda, it's, it's crazy how he didn't even react to his, his daughter being shoved with a mini tornado into <laughs> a wall. James is the one that runs and, and goes to see if she's all right. He just stands in front of it and goes, stop. 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 Yeah. Mm. And Supergirl gets read the riot act because she chooses to, oh my God, save his punk-ass daughter. Uh-huh. Instead of, you know, stop. <laughs> save them both at, at that. He saved them both. Oh, sorry. Red Tornado is able to distract Supergirl by unleashing a, a big tornado on the street, and S- Supergirl goes to save the people, and Red Tornado gets away. DEO cannot track Red Tornado for some reason. That's another thing. Wouldn't you at least put a low jack in, in your um, Android? A whole that bunch was, of low jacks. Yeah, or, or, you know, like a tracking chip of some sort. Yeah, GPS redundancies. Yeah. Chip. Oh, you know, I know I would. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maxwell Lord comes through with the help, though. He kind of uh, tries to uh, put some moves on Alex. Uh, Alex uh, comes to his office and he has like a candlelit table yeah, they got uh, waiting. Guys. And uh, yeah, you know, they want to bond over both their parents dying in the government service. <laughs> she digs him a little bit, though, I could tell. She digs him a little bit. Maxwell finally, uh, near the end of the conversation, mentions that Dr. Morrow is, is controlling Red Tornado. Kara and James both work through their anger by punching things. Kara punches a car. James a punching bag. <laughs> Kara realizes she's not angry about James and Lucy being together, but that it reminds her that she's never going to have a normal life. Even though, yes, she is angry that Lucy and... Yeah, but I mean, this is, it's more of a symptom than, than the actual disease. Right, you know I mean? right. Something that's bothering her. I, I want to go deeper than that. She's angry that she's side-by-side punching next to this guy instead of them hitting other stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All that. It's in it, as it were. Mm-hmm. A lot of sublimated sexual tension, okay? Yeah. Jane's got to stop all that sexy talk to her all the time. I got so care about you. He says, he lowers his voice, he looks yeah. in the eye. I want to have sex with the damn man, okay? <laughs> stop it. He's a good looking guy. I'm not going to argue with him. He's he pretty, and he talking like that. You got to stop. Yeah. It's not fair. He's intense. He speaks directly to her. He always says the perfect smooth thing. Cares name. about her feelings. I hate like him. Cisco. Cisco, yeah, but Cisco's got the condition name on lock, you know. Yeah. <laughs> As he says. Totally does. In this issue, in this episode, episode yeah. coming down. Just say the the most awkward thing in this situation. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's like, let me bat. This is perfect. Let me babble and ruin it. Turns out uh, T.O. Morrow is controlling Red Tornado with a uh, telepathic link. They lure Red Tornado out by creating a hologram of General Lane. Alex goes after Morrow, but uh, doesn't want to kill him. But we can't figure they can't figure out any other way to stop him. Uh, and in the end, she has to. But that doesn't stop Red Tornado, who apparently has become sentient on own, um, drawing on all of her rage. 
Kara unleashes the full power of her heat vision on the android, and she destroys him. But the fight leaves her very out of Mm-hmm. Uh, the next day, Alex meets Karen Wynn at her apartment. Uh, earlier, Alex had asked Wynn to hack into the DEO to find out what happened to her father. Uh, Wynn found a redacted file that said her father and Hank ventured to South America to capture an alien, but disappeared and were presumed dead. However, several months later, Hank returned without a scratch. Hmm. I'm saying, like, I'm sitting there just hmm. in my mind. I'm just, re- I'm just uh, going through scenarios of. He accidentally, you know, whatever it is that got Martian Manhunter here, and, he, and then the beam caused an explosion or something, and it accidentally killed them both, and he replaced Hank, and I, I just, I just see it all. Yeah, this, this seems like, it uh, seems like a pretty plausible theory. Yeah, Carrie goes to work, gets berated by Mama Grant for not ordering her a car to the airport, but Cat stands up for to her mother. And defends Kara by saying that Kat is the only one who gets to yell at Kara. She is a realistic evil mom. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't look like a TV version of a mom. She looks like, I mean, the way that she just treats her and and just mean to her and stuff. It's just, she really came off as somebody's, like somebody's mom. No, she's like worst case scenario mom. That's not even, she's not even trying to pretend like, usually you'd be like, nope. bless your heart. Or sweetie at the end of Mm-mm, your nasty None of that. None of that. Not even. She's like, you suck all the way. All my friends are smarter than you. Yeah. Oh my god, this little magazine sucks. I mean, she's not even sugarcoating anything. She's no. not a mom. She's, you know what, as much as I really hate Kat, she's annoying as crap, I hate her mom more and I really do see that she's trying. From where she came from, she's mm-hmm. definitely improving. Well, she doesn't do her son like that. that that's for sure. No, it's crazy. I, I legit last episode thought her son was going to be a Tara. The way she described right. him, right? I was. I've I seen thought so him. too. Yeah. Seriously, I was like, oh god, this kid's gonna want to blow up the universe. He's, he's gonna be like problem child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously. Oh, he's a sensitive soul. No, he literally was a sensitive soul. <laughs> he was. He totally was. Something freaking right in her life. So yeah. I know they like reveal something sensitive about her, something damaging that you can see why she is how she is every episode. But it's it's so hard. It's so give and take with her. It's so she bashes the crap out of Kara and calls her out. Mm-hmm. Says she's throwing herself at James, but then she's taking her drinking. But then she's you know throwing her in the bus again. But then she's telling her mom, "You can't order my slave around. Only I can order my slave around." Right. Uh, then at the uh, afterward, Kara hands Cat a glass of water that breaks. Uh, Kara goes down to pick up the glass and cuts herself. Yeah. And that's uh, Supergirl this week, pretty much. So I thought this was a decent episode, not a great episode. I liked uh, Red Tornado. Yeah. Um, I thought that was pretty cool the way they implemented it. They didn't really do it with CGI, it didn't look like. No, that Kung Fu grip was kind of funny, though. Every yeah. time his hand started spinning, I was like, whoa. Yeah. I'm thinking of Smallville now. <laughs> me think of Smallville. Uh oh, well, that's no good. There's no way you can make that look. Good. But it's hard. Like unless you got a movie budget, there's no way you can make that that spinning arm look cool. Yeah, so I give it a B for the episode. Yeah, I don't think it a B minus. I give it a B minus. I'm gonna also go B minus. There was enough things that I took issue with. It wasn't nearly as exciting slash joyful as the other episodes. 
I think this might be the weakest episode for me, but it wasn't a bad episode. So that no, it wasn't a bad one. They've got to move the story along. I think for me, this one was a little bit more soap opery out of my comfort zone than I was. Oh, it was real soap opery with the I'm yeah, just mad. yeah. When it went into the Snuggy Diaries, I kind of yeah. shocked. I'm like, oh, that was too much. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of had that thought about one of the shows we're going to talk about later, but now mm-hmm. let's talk about Gotham. Oh, the happy show. Yeah. Season two, episode 11, the winter finale of Gotham, Rise of the Villains, colon, worse than a crime. And this was like, uh, wow, some crazy ass shit in this episode. I don't even know where to start, where to begin on this. Um, which... Bruce is a pimp. Yeah. Bruce is finally pimping. It's about time, man. Bruce is a pimp. He's not a pimp. <laughs> yes, he is. He do his feelings really well. He's like, listen. Well, look, he had to grow up real quick. Oh, I love it. Prince, come on. I love how he did it. It's like Alfred. It's like everything Alfred said about you just don't have it to do that. Like, to, He was like, I'm going to show you. I'm gonna show you. He did it. He played her, man. Boom. We um we start off with uh pretty much where we left off last time. Galavan taking Bruce away. Uh Alfred being chased through the dump by Tabitha and a couple of her boys. A couple stab wounds there, one on the side and one on the right. shoulder. Knife in the back, that's not enough. That was like I need more blood. Yeah. I'm Alfred. That's for a pussy. Give me something hard. Give me yeah. one on the side and one in the back. Then leave me in a garbage dump and then we'll talk. Yeah. It's, uh, it was pretty. It was pretty uh, fun. Mm-hmm. He ha- Alfred uh, is avoiding the the uh, Tabby and her boys and goes into a discarded freezer. And as soon as he, he does that, and as soon as they uh, they get past him, a giant pile of garbage comes down on him. And buries Ouch. him. Gallivan reveals to Bruce the reasons he wants to kill him. Father Creel gives uh, Bruce some sort of anointment, and uh, we, then we get to see Lucius Fox coming out of the Batcave mm-hmm. just minutes after Bruce is gone. Saying, hey, I got the hard drive fixed. Finally. Finally. Now you got it fixed. Now you got it fixed. Yeah, good job, uh, Geek Squad. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> Maybe you could have come up when you heard the guy with the giant knife threatening Bruce or something. Yeah, I don't Same. know. And all the, the lamp, when the lamp fell and the whole thing was, you know. Uh, Gordon uh, is having a dream about Barbara dangling from the church rooftop when she fell. And a butterfly comes out of her mouth in his dream. And he wakes up in Edward Nigma's apartment. And that great. sound of Ed, Edward Nigma, Ed Nigma and the Penguins singing together. Yeah, that was creepy. They're like the college dorm roommates from hell. <laughs> that was yeah, really, yeah. really creepy. The goth odd couple. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Penguin reveals that Jim is now a fugitive in the eyes of the GCPD. Mostly just Barnes. And they have to work together if they want to stop Galavan. Fortunately for Penguin and Gordon, things are not working out so well for Galavan. Uh, him, is te- him and Tabitha's tension is kind of reaching a breaking point. Galavan insults her for being childish and lackadaisical. Tabitha complains about Galavan's past control issues and maybe his whole plan. And Silver is kind of the thing that, that divides them. The way Galavan sets up this thing uh, with Silver and says, Look, if you can get Bruce to fall in love with you one last time, and kiss you and forgive you for having him, you know, killing him, then you can stay in the family. Uh, Tabitha's not on board, but uh, Galavan puts the pressure on for Silver's future in the family. So Silver goes to Bruce in his prison cell and starts trying to play him. For Galavan. For Galavan. To, well, to basically stay in Galavan's good graces, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's supposed to be to re-seduce someone. 
because that's possible. So they start talking and, uh, you know, they, you know, what you, you know, talking about all kinds of like, I don't know, inconsequential kind of things. And she's trying to bond with him. And then finally she, um, try to help him escape or they get out of the cell and she shoots the guard in the leg. Um, they, but they run right into Gallivan, the order. Then Silver's locked up in the cell and, uh, she reveals that uh, Silver tells Bruce that she loves him, but Bruce is like, uh, "No, I don't love you. I pity you, and you know, I know that you're trying to play me, Silver. And I know, you know, this, you know, we were trying to break out. That was, a, you know, a total ruse on your part. You know, I don't, I don't get why you're playing me." Silver explains the whole thing that you know she's going to be kicked out of the family or whatever. Um, so it's one act, of, you know, one final act of kindness to her before Galvan takes him away to get staked up. Uh, but and uh, killed by the order of Saint Dumas, uh, he he says, uh, "I forgive you," and kisses her. That's that is it. such a Bruce Wayne Batman thing to do. Finally, yes. doing Bruce Wayne stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did a lot. He did quite a few Bruce Wayne Batman type things. Uh, yeah. This episode, when they yeah. asked what his when Silver asked in the little small talk, and that was a powerful scene. Mm-hmm. The other small talk was innocuous on the surface, but looking at the actors like they're their body language, like you kind of, you kind of had to stop everything and really look at their their facial expressions, the pauses between sentences. When she says, "What's your favorite animal?" And he says, "Owls." Come on. <laughs> mm, I know, right? One, that's it. Such a that's given. That's a lot. <laughs> I love that scene. Things aren't looking too good at the Gotham City Police Department. Uh, Bruce has Gordon or Barnes has Gordon considered uh, an armed and dangerous fugitive. Thanks to everything that led to Gallivan's release. He's also wanted in connection with killing the two cops that abducted him. Lee defends, defends him you know, to Barnes, saying, you know, he's more likely he's been abducted than he's working with a penguin. But Barnes tells Lee that Gordon has been like a son to him, and she says, you know, a father would have more faith in his son. And then Enigma can't help himself and kind of gives up a riddle to Lee about Gordon's location. And Lee goes there, ends up at Edward's apartment, and she sees... Just what Barnes suspected. Gordon and Penguin working together to take down Gallivan. Gordon tells Lee that she needs to get out of the city, but Lee says they need to leave together because she's pregnant. Dun, dun, dun. She's supposedly pregnant. She's DC pregnant. Until I see a baby, I'm like... Pregnant in real life with Ben right, McKenzie's well, baby. She's pregnant because a lot of times they'll be like, oh, she lost it, or oh, she was lying, or oh, it was a false pregnancy. So. Right. Uh, Lucius Fox goes to report Bruce and Alfred missing. Uh, he accuses Gallivan of their abductions, but Barnes says his hands are tied because there's no real evidence. Which makes me think even more that Barnes is in cahoots. Severe and hard line on that. I'm like, your whole city is falling apart and you're laying on ceremony at this point. What is wrong with you? Bullock comes in and joins the argument. It turns out um, Barnes gets a phone call. Alfred is picked up trying to commandeer a vehicle before being put down with a taser. Now, Alfred is woken by Bullock, Fox, and Barnes, tells him about this fight with Tabitha, Bar- but Barnes will not get a warrant for Gallivan, as Alfred was apparently lawfully chased off property that he broke into, which seemed really weird, too. I mean, she stabbed him. Oh, yeah. There would be some charges, assault charges there, at least, you know? Even if, you know, he was trespassing, so, I don't know. Uh, Alfred and Bullock decide they're going to go outside the law to get some results, but Fox is not down. Uh, he's not on board, but he's overruled. Alfred, Alfred kind of healed up here, somewhere along the way. It seemed like he wasn't really hurt anymore. Edward, he overhears this, uh, Enigma overhears this, um, conversation and doles out another riddle, and, uh, the men end up all at his apartment the same way Lee did, <laughs> Uh, for another meeting with Gordon. Gordon is about to leave the city, though, with Lee 
when they show up and reveal to him that Bruce Wayne has been kidnapped. And this is what Gordon needs to kind of go back to his plan of defeating Gallivan. He tells Lee to get out of the city. He's like, I understand. And then Lee's like, I understand. Just promise me. Do what you dig is best. Just call me when it's over. And she gets out of the city. While the uh, the Justice League of Gotham here is working out their plan of attack on Gallivan, Selina pops up and offers her services about how to get into Gallivan's building. Selina's prepared to work to save Bruce. Uh, she gets them inside. The Order and Gallivan are about to take Bruce's life. They chant death to the son of Gotham over and over again. Um, Father Creel sort of shows off the blade, and uh, before, but before Creel can fulfill that, and uh, the planet Silver cries out to stop, um, you know, to stop the sacrifice, and that gives Gordon the Penguin and the boys enough time to make it inside the sacrificial room. Uh, they fight. Creel attempts one final rush and is somehow able to fly through the air for a split second before Bullock finally bursts in and puts two bullets in his chest. Uh, Galvan escaped from the fight, but Gordon's determined not to let him get away again. Uh, Galvan, Tabitha, and Silver head upstairs to the penthouse. Galvan reveals that Silver won't be joining them, but Tabitha has had enough. And she takes the wind out of him. As he attempts to kill Silver and then hands uh, Silver Gallivan's parachute. And they base jump off the building. As Gordon rushes in and arrests Gallivan. I'm glad they knew how to base jump. I mean, Well, that helps. It does. <laughs> At least they did it, they did it kind of realistic. In that when she gave a parachute and pushed, her out, pushed Silver out of the window, she did scream. Yeah. It wasn't like for every day jumping out of a window with a parachute. <laughs> I did like that little insertion. I'm like, seriously, a girl that age, I don't care if you have a parachute, you're jumping out of a, a high-rise building. You know, it's not going to be like, yay, let's make our escape. She's not badass like Tabitha. Uh, Gordon's got a gun on dead Galavan and Galavan. And, you know, Gordon tells him he's going to get the chair, and Galavan's like, you want to bet. And um, here we are with, you know, Gordon at his breaking point again. And Galavan, you know, is it better to let the system decide if he's, you know, to let him go again? And as he's going through this moral dilemma, Barnes comes in the exact moment to deliver the warrant, you know, a search warrant. And as Gordon is about to put his gun down and put his hands on his head, the penguin rushes in and knocks Barnes out with a giant face. Penguin says, tells Gordon he will kill him if it means getting to visit Galavan because he wants to get revenge for his mom. It doesn't take a lot to convince Gordon that killing Galavan is the best option. Uh, Gordon and Penguin make their way to the, the docks. Uh, first, Penguin brutally assaults Galavan with a baseball bat. And says, this is for my mother. And when Gordon has had enough, he stops the Penguin. And he finishes the deed himself by putting a bullet in him. Uh, later, he meets Lee and tells her it's over. And then asks her to marry him. There's nothing says romance like murder. You know it. <laughs> Every kiss begins with murder. Uh, we then end our, our episode uh, at Indian Hill, um, the place where, remember, where they took Bridget Pike, where the fire suit fused to her skin. Um, they they draw, drag a body into a laboratory-like uh, room, and a woman named Miss Peabody unzips the body bag and says, Professor Strange has high hopes for this one. And we get a dark glimpse of Galavan, and he's got Penguin's umbrella shoved down his throat. And I had to freeze frame that a couple times to figure out what the hell I was looking at. Um, the episode ends with a man running down Gotham Street Alley. And it's very uh, alluded to that he's being pursued by Mr. Freeze. And that is the end of Gotham's. Wow. The exciting part, the most exciting part, was seeing the team up with Alfred and yeah. Jim. And, that was cool. Like, seeing them all come together and do what they do. It's just what like I've been waiting for. Hmm? 
where it's like the shadows and it's a darkened Gotham street and they all have, yeah. they have on objects and they're walking through yeah, the street. Yeah, yeah. And how dark Jim got. Like he I did not think he would he has crossed the line. Like I did not think that he would do that. He way crossed the line. Yeah, I don't know how he's coming back from that. Yeah, I don't know either, man. That's what I was thinking. It's like what are they gonna do for the next uh next season, you know? Mm-hmm. Like how do you come back from what you did? You did an execution. I can see if it was like and fight for the gun, you know, like he gets a hold of it and boom, boom, you know, in the struggle. What do you learn from season one? If you let somebody go free, even if it's because you think you can't kill, they come back to haunt you. you oh, I know. That. I totally agree. Those are the exact same docks where he let Kawabot live. Yeah, yeah. And now Kawabot is here as an accessory to a murder mm-hmm. in the same place. So, no, I totally yeah. agree with you, but it's Total just to see Jim. Be the one. I mean, that's just that's just Jim. He doesn't wait. He's not supposed to waver. That's what we're right. used to. That's what we're used to. But this Jim, hey, shot to the brain. But in typical DC fashion, Galavan is dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Is DC dead? It'll be fine. <laughs> I give this episode an A minus. And I only put the minus on it because I, I thought the Galvan stuff kind of wrapped up really quick for all the setup there was. And then that, I really enjoyed it a lot. Like you said, seeing them all team up to go to go wipe him out and stuff. And um, I don't know, just really, really good stuff. Good, good episode. Really, uh, so much improved from season one. Yeah. What did you? What do you give it, Jerry? You got it. I gave it a B. I was with you. I gave it an A too. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna give it an A, but it almost got an A minus. Because to me, throwing Mr. Freeze in at the end was so like tacked on, and I'm 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 being a curmudgeon. I'm being kind of a naysayer. I'm like, do we have to institute a new freaking Gotham villain every episode, every two episodes? I don't need to see every adversary Batman is ever gonna have on this TV show. Well, this part, I mean, they did call Rise of the Villains colon. No, I don't need to see all of them, and it felt so tacked on. It was just. It was like the little Gorilla Grodd thing that I'm tired of seeing the little end of, this, end of the episode. To me, honestly, they could have left the episode earlier on. They could have, I don't know, I, I felt like there could have been a cliffhanger, but I know they had so many cliffhangers, we'd all be pissed off. I don't know, I, just, I didn't need to see the streets, but it, it still got an A. I liked everything else, and that's probably just a personal preference. But I was kind of upset that they just threw in Mr. Freeze as an afterthought. I would like to move on to iZombie since Flash and Arrow are pretty much all one long story. Yeah, they are. So it's okay, and iZombie was kind of a eh episode this week. Yeah, we kind of knocked that out. It wasn't a lot going on. Yeah, it wasn't a lot going on this week. Uh, Ex-girlfriend of Babineau shows up dead. I think the best thing about this episode is that we learned more about Babineau. We a lot. Yeah, because I mean, they, we've been talking about how you know he's the one character we really don't know a whole lot about. In this mm-hmm. episode, we learned a lot about him, which was cool. Clive? Yeah, Clive. Which, oh, okay. No, no, you're right. No, I like the review. Actually, that was the the most compelling subplot in this entire piece. I was like, oh, okay, so he does this and does it. How does nobody know anything about him? And he's the the look on his face when they asked the Game of Thrones question. It was it was amazing. Yeah, like how the hell did you know that? <laughs> Right, because you have like a, a GPS on George R. R. Martin at all. Times. So. Right, oh, that's funny when Robbie just kept poking him, poking him, and poking him. 
So what's yeah? He's like, what's George George R. R. Martin doing right, right now? It's something how he's not he, writing. <laughs> it's something how he bonded with that with with uh, that he's seeing. Del Bozio. It's like it's amazing how quickly they bonded. I mean, yeah. she knows everything. I'm she about to mention his mom and. I remember her name because the lead singer of the '80s band. She's from the FBI Missing Persons, and the lead singer of the band Missing Persons of the '80s was named Dale Bozio. And I think that's where they got the name. I like that they quoted Pet Shop Boys in this. Yeah. <laughs> Did you catch that? Yeah, Stephen Weber uh, quoted it to Rita. Yeah. Did um, I was? Oh, I know that song. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. We uh, our brain of the week is a super stalker. Uh, wedding slash wedding planner uh, who is like hyper jealous and uh, Liv doesn't know this until after she eats the brain mm-hmm. but it kind of informs everything she does in this episode like she goes through Major's Facebook page and calls out all the quote unquote sluts and Jezebels who comment on his <laughs> uh, tweets and posts confronts Major about the fact that he has a safe and uh, he's like you know if you try, you know, if you he calls her and he's like, I thought you were going to fight off the war, you know, this brain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that wards off the one time, but then at the other end of the episode, uh, she, you know, wants to see what's inside the safe. And he, all he left in the safe was her engagement ring, which makes her feel like total crap. Uh, this, uh, this woman, uh, who, who got killed made these fake scrapbooks of her and these different men. She was a quote unquote badge bunny, as Clive Pavano calls her. Which I've never heard that term before. But no, there that's- I know a cop. That is literally a thing. It was also in uh, End of Watch. Okay. Yeah, I did. I thought that sounded familiar to me. And I was like, where did I hear that before? And yeah, you're right. End of Watch. End of Watch, but it's legit a thing. It's yeah, a it's a thing. thing. It's a real thing. They used the actual, uh, in that movie, they used a lot of cop terms that were real cop terms. That's, that That's true. Mm-hmm. Watch the sticks and all, yeah, all that. Yeah. yeah. She um she calls Major on this like a uh, women's shampoo and it turns out it's Ravi's, like she just like kind of goes overboard on uh, the total jealousy all the time. Um, she explains you know, to Major that she's sorry, you know, that she's on the stalker brain or whatever. Um, we get a shot in the Max Ranger dungeon with uh, Vaughn and Gelda slash Rita. Uh, they're watching with uh, yet another head of research. And they read us something like, oh, it's like drummers and Spinal Tap, you know. Every time they're down there, there's a new head of research. Yeah, very much. But uh, Team Max Ranger is back in action, and uh, Vaughn, the made bad guy, wants to test Superman. He's going has a plan to test Supermax on Major. Um, he does the thing while they're working out. Major, I guess, has been training him. You know, is his trainer now. And uh, he shows that he drinks like a, a can of Supermax and then shows like almost like superhuman strength as he rages out. Right. And Major is kind of like shocked and impressed at the same time. The, uh, the It turns out the investigation leads her to another scrapbook, which leads her to the chief of police and Liv ends up in jail um, over the weekend without any brains and almost eats one of her cellmates. But yeah. luckily, luckily uh, Ravi is there with a smoothie in the morning. Uh, that was brain- horrible a little Chrissy Snow snort when she came back to human. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, she gets out of jail, and the only, again, the only brain they have her on tap is the Miss Jealousy, so she has more, you know, she has to drink more Jealous Brain or whatever. Um, so at the end of the episode, 
when Rita texts Major on his phone while Major is sleeping, uh, Liv texts her back and uh, ends up getting a sexy picture from Rita, which doesn't have her face, by the way. Right. Notes that too, and that's how the episode ends. As I said, not the greatest of episodes. After the, I, I thought the magician episode was much better than this, but it just was kind of like I said. The stuff about Babylon was cool, and there's some connective stuff with Max Rager. It just seemed like a, I don't want to say a filler episode, but more of like a connective episode. Yep. You know what I mean? Kind of connecting dots to move to a better story next time. So I give this a B minus. It just was kind of there. Uh, yeah, it had to be like the C plus. B minus category. C, but you guys know this is my first time watching this all season. So mm-hmm. could, don't get the continuity, but I still don't like the main chick. So it's the same actress playing the sexy chick that works in the office as well as the zombie? Is it the same chick? Because they look exactly alike to me. No. Mm-mm. No. Is it really alike? Like, they just sexied up the zombie or no? No. Mm-mm. Don't look like to you. No. I kept like trying to screen by screen them. To me, their features look a lot alike. Like they could be like sisters or something. Oh no, I didn't, I didn't get that. Maybe I'm a racist. Yeah, they have some scenes together actually. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, they did that on the Patty Duke show too, so I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, they look. Well, Patty bad. likes the rock and roller. The hot dog makes her lose control. What a wild yeah. duet. Okay, let's talk about uh, our. Our flaro. You want to get with the flaro, as the kids call it these days? That's what I've heard. Wow, that's what they call it? That's what I've heard it called. Oh, okay. It would be uh, The Flash and Arrows, both uh, their their eighth episodes. It's the uh, yearly um, uh, team-up between mm-hmm. team, with Team Flash and Team Arrow. And the introduction of Mr. Vandal Savage. We start off with uh, a guy who's been uh, down the docks, and uh, there's got, you know we found the stowaway in our ship. You know, all he had on him was this, and it was a coat full of friggin' knives. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm, that's creepy. The actor's name uh, who, play, who plays Vandal Savage is named Casper Crump. <laughs> what? Yeah. His real is that... name is Casper Crump. So, like, wow. the, the most intimidating-looking dude, but, like, the most least right. intimidating name ever. Sounds like a stage actor. Yeah. I am the great Casper Crump. <laughs> Sounds like a character... You know what? He sounds like a character in Willy Wonka. Yeah. He does. Oh, I'm Casper Crump, the head of the Jelly Bean Division. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. I'm sorry to make fun of you, Mr. Crump, because I'd love to have you on the podcast at some point, because you're awesome. Anyway, he uh, he slips out of handcuffs and chains and kills all these guys in the docks, gets his coat back on, and makes his way into Central City, where he is looking for Kendra Saunders a.k.a. Hawkgirl, who is having a delicious romantic dinner with her boyfriend at the time, at <laughs> the beginning of the episode. Oh. And she cooked, yeah. Short ribs, which takes like take like three and a half hours to really cook the right way. Yukon gold potatoes and asparagus. That's what's on the menu if you're dating Kendra Saunders, you lucky bastards. Anyway, um, as, they're, as they're about to sup, as it were, uh, in walks Vandal Savage, calling her uh, Kendra Chiara. And Cisco's like, dude, you need to get out of here, and immediately hits the flash button. Mm-hmm. And uh, Barry comes in. He uh, is able to catch the knife before it kills Cisco. But, barely. But, yeah, just barely. And he turns around, and, and Savage is gone. Uh, there's also a subplot about Barry, uh, since his uh, fight with Zoom, not being able to run as fast as he was before. And uh, Harry, Harrison Wells of Earth 2, and, uh, and Caitlin 
work on a serum uh, they call Velocity 6 that they hope will make Barry run faster, fast enough that he'd be able to keep up at least or beat Zoom. Right. Uh, but they have no one to test it on other than Jay Garrick, who hates Harrison Wells' guts and you know, doesn't want to t- test serum at all, of course. And, and something, that did, something that slightly bothered me about this is how quickly they um, like gave away everyone's identity. Like when the Flash comes to save her, or yes. save Cisco with the knife, and Cisco's, <laughs> Cisco's like, Barry, thank God. Yes. And then it, I'm like, what? Like, is everybody going to know his secret identity by the end of the season? <laughs> I mean, I feel it's like. Secret since, like, freaking arrows hit hideout. Everybody knows, okay? There's nobody that doesn't freaking know. It just, it just seemed, like, really fast to be brought into the fold or whatever. And then they bring her to Star Labs. They'll tell her they'll be able to protect her there. Right. And um, all because Cisco accidentally says Barry's name. Um, Barry, you know, talks, talks to Cisco. Barry says, you know, we should round up. We should get Team Arrow in on this because we don't know what we're doing when it comes to magic. Oliver right. has a little bit of, you know, a little bit more um, expertise for this kind of thing. Maybe we should get them on in on this to help us out. So cut to Star City. Damien Dark is in the middle of doing his Kali Ma thing on a bunch of the ghosts. Uh, sucking the soul out of him, and also trying to steal a, uh, a chemical bomb that belongs to Argus for some reason uh, on the back of a truck. Team Arrow shows up in the back. Uh, Team Arrow, and I, sh- and I should clarify, uh, Green Arrow, Thea, Speedy, and uh, Spartan with his crappy helmet still. Oh my gosh, I hate that helmet. That helmet, every time I see that helmet, I just shake my head, dude. Every time. Helmet, is that what you're talking about? <laughs> Magnegro, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Magnegro helmet. You know what's worse? You know what makes the helmet look worse? Is the canary cry when when Laurel does the canary scream. It looks so silly. And you add the Magnegro helmet with that. And that just that scene just made me crack up. Like that was just the the corniest scene when they when they work together. They're they're fighting the uh, the the, uh, the ghost you know darkness ghosts from Hive. Uh, they use a magnetic arrow, which I thought was pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. And then Felicity is like, "No, the magnetic arrow wasn't work. Wouldn't work." Said Oliver. And then Oliver's like, "Honey, your speaker is on. It's kind of annoying to do that while you have, you know to fight while you do that in my ear." You know. That was my favorite scene, because I've done that to TV. Like, maybe if you would have listened to them, then this would be all. <laughs> she totally did what everybody does during TV. Mm-hmm. They fight, and Dark is starting to draw out the life force from Green Arrow when Barry comes and zaps them all out of there. But, of course, Arrow's like, uh, you know, I didn't think you came here to just save our, save our butts from, uh, from Damien Dark. He said, no, I need your help to, you know protect our friend Kendra. And so they take Kendra to the arrow lair and expose Oliver's secret identity and Laurel's secret identity to her and just everything. This woman that, you know, Cisco's been dating for a couple weeks, right? So they're in the new arrow lair. Uh, everybody's impressed with it, except for Cisco who tells Felicity that's wired all wrong. Well, he doesn't <laughs> know his stuff. Schematics? Didn't you see the schematics I left? He knows his stuff, man. Do it right. Cisco introduces Kendra as uh, his new beautiful friend who kisses me occasionally. That was funny. That was funny. Barry's able to speed sketch a drawing. Felicity is able to find a picture that matches from 1975 of Vendel Savage. That looks exactly the same. Right? That is some <laughs> software, dude. They should just patent mm-hmm. that software and they could yeah. all retire. 
retro pre-computer facial recognition. Yep. That was a program they mentioned before on this on Arrow. Yeah. If you remember, remember when they were doing that? Yep. Uh, before they changed caves again. Yeah, I think I think there was even a scene where Ray Palmer helped to enhance it somehow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally did. They go to uh, the Arrow apartment for some cocktails. Superhero cocktail party, everybody. Hey. You get to have some drinks. Yeah, barbecue at my house. That's right. I, you know, my God, like the world could be like jeopardized right now. You guys can't get drunk. This doesn't happen on our time. I thought you were gonna try to protect Kendra and said we're gonna get really drunk in a room that's all glass on the top of a building. It's easily yeah. seen from other buildings. Just saying. Yeah. I mean that entire loft is lined is a whole wall is glass, right? The whole wall that faces the city. Pretty much, yeah. It's just all glass. What a dude did. So uh they're they're um uh Cisco's kinda mad that he won't let Thea change her name from Speedy because he doesn't like Speedy. He thinks he can come up with something better. There are a few other moments too. There's a good moment with Barry and Oliver where uh, Oliver t- you know, explains to Barry that you know maybe guys like him do get the girl once in a while. You know, because he's been real happy with Felicity and stuff. As all this is going on, they're having a good, cozy, uh, you know, cocktail party. In through the window, smashes Vandal Savage. Same window that Oliver smashed through a couple times, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Just love smashing windows, man. Sure enough. Uh, uh, Savage sends out a whole bunch of throwing knives. Barry catches them all except for one that hits him in the leg. Oliver is shooting arrow after arrow. Um, but Vandal Savage has like a metal fan of some sort. Tia is able to send an, an arrow into Savage and then one more into his shoulder and it causes him to fall off the balcony ledge. But he's disappeared. They don't see his body. Uh, Cisco at this point tells Kendra about his vibe power and tells uh, you know Kendra about the, you know, the vision that he had of her with the wings and everything. And then all of a sudden, boom, Merlin and the League of Assassins are there. Of course. It's all walked in, in the open door. So, you know, the, the entrance to this place is supposed to be the mayoral candidate, you know, the candidate headquarters for Oliver Queen, right? So what, all these guys dressed in the League of Assassins with Merlin leading them just, like, walk through the office? Excuse me, pardon me. Can he, like, knock at least once? I mean, it was the same in the old era cave, too. He just would, like, show up. It's like, hi. Yeah, he yeah. just walks in. Like, and they had they added security for You gotta go down a damn elevator to get... To, to, to get to some of these places, and he just appears. Kendra wants to go get some air, and Cisco follows her, and as they're talking, a guy with wings comes down and swoops Kendra away. They, uh, they scan the city, and they find him, Arrow and Flash together. Um, Hawkman demolishes uh, Oliver's bike uh, with his mace before they fight. Uh, Barry shows up and evens the fight, but he's able. To, but Hawkman's able to grab Barry, even as he's like speeding toward him, and they uh, combine their efforts. And Barry pulls out his lightning bolt and uses that to knock out Hawkman. Yeah, he was smart, though. The first thing to do, Flash, is to pick, is to pick him up and take him off. The Don't allow him to uh, to run at all. They uh, chain him to a, a post <laughs> back at the arrow lair. Uh, he tells them the story that, you know, he's Carter Hall. But, and, you know, uh, for the past 206 uh, lifetimes, he and uh, she, uh, um, Kendra Saunders, who in the other lifetime was Shiera, the priestess of Khufu, have uh, reincarnated and they're mystically tied to Vandal Savage and he is immortal. And he has to kill them to keep the immortality going. Uh, Barry and Oliver think they could take on Savage. Malcolm's not so sure. Malcolm is way more scared of him than, than Barry and Oliver seem to be. This is also where he makes that, that crack about Merlin entering the room. Like, is that the only way he knows how to enter a room? <laughs> Pretty much. 
Yeah, that's pretty much everything that happens. Out of the city to go try to find some artifact called the Eye of Horus, which we saw earlier in the Constantine episode, if you remember correctly. That was also the Eye of Horus, the same artifact. Carter is trying to get Kendra to emerge, her, her past life to emerge, uh, and her you know abilities as Hawkgirl. And he um, tells her that you know the way he's with her before is pushing her off of the building. So that's what he does this time. And Kendra falls, but her wings don't come out. And Barry saves her life. Barry is freaked out and, and like, no, this isn't happening again. She's not going to jump off there and risk her life again. Oliver you know, calms Barry down. And just as that happens, they have a lead on where Savage is. He's in a church in Central City. Oliver and Barry get there. And as they do, Savage already has the staff. They have a fight in the church. And he blasts him with, like, some mystic energy and stuff. Uh, he's about to uh, deal this killing blow with something. There's, like, a disturbance in the force or something that kind of bothers him. And it turns out that this is when Kendra has finally uh, sprouted her wings. And he feels it, in, you know, and he knows it in their, um, uh, you know, mystic bond. And that moment of hesitation, there's only barely the chance to escape as he blows up the whole church. Um, the rest of Timero... Uh, they all make the trip to Central, join forces, and uh, Barry and Oliver go to uh, the coffee shop, and uh, Oliver gets a little more than he bargained for when he sees a young boy with a flash action figure and his mom, or uh, and the mom of the little boy, who we uh, saw before. Uh, you know, I, I always wonder if they'd get back to the subplot, because remember last season they had her and the little boy? I do. And we oh, talked about right. it, and we were like, mm-hmm. I wonder if they're going to play this out. And they finally are. They finally do in the Arrow episode. While this stuff is going on with Flash and Arrow, uh, Caitlin and uh, and Harry are working on this Velocity 6. Um, while while Harry is out trying to get the stuff for the Velocity 6, he gets tailed by Pat, uh, Patty, who sees Harrison Wells. Yeesh. Yeah. She had that Joe reaction. Right. And uh, she tells him not to move. And Harris Wells, like, you know, not the kind of listening authority, takes a step and she shoots him. And Caitlin arrives too late to stop her. And uh, Caitlin gets him stabilized. There's a bullet in there. Uh, there's no way to get the bullet out. They, they, they can't reach it or whatever. The only way they could possibly do it is if they had a speedster who could, you know, reach in there, uh, you know, while phased, kind of, and grab the bullet. Uh, so to save Harrison Wells' life, the guy he hates... Uh, Jay Garrick takes the Velocity 6 shot, reaches in there and saves his life with a bullet. Poor Patty. Yeah, it's funny because Patty's there and is like, I, 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 I shot him. And Joe is just like, go, go. And doesn't explain anything to her. At all. Like, go, get out of here. The Flash. Yes, part two. What do you guys give it? Um, I, I will have to, I'll give it, I can't give it an AA. It's, it's not a, it wasn't an A for me. Because some of the, I don't know, I don't think you needed the the Jay Garrick trying to come back to save Wells. Like, that seemed to come out of nowhere. It seemed like they had, it had a very everything but the kitchen sink vibe to it. And he didn't really need it because his focus should, it could have just been on, you know, them dealing with Savage. And then you can deal with that next episode. So that kind of took it down. I mean, I did really enjoy the parts that I saw, you know, them crossing over. That Those were good. But every time it went to to, to the uh, Wells and Jay Garrett thing and then the Patty uh, doing what she did, it kind of was like, eh, I would rather stay with Savage. So. so what is your, you said you don't give it an A. So what do you give it? No, I gave it a B. I gave it a, a B. Minus. Plus, I 
I want to give it an A, but it, there, there was just so much stuff thrown in there. And I have, like, a personal problem with Hot Girl because when she smiled on the Cisco date with all her teeth, it felt like I saw three inches of her gum and it just made me uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I think she's attractive with her mouth closed. I really do. But something about seeing all her gum, just, it was, like, more uncomfortable than, than Cisco's dialogue, which is always uncomfortable with <laughs> the girl. Uh, <laughs> And also, I don't. It just, I like the I like the reference where they call where Cisco called Vandal Savage the Highlander. Yes. That was amusing enough. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we're talking about Arrow next because in this two parter, I feel like Arrow did a better job of progressing the story and having more quirky things that I could accept and not get irritated at. I'll give this like a B plus, but I was I was much more excited for Arrow. And this is weird. Usually I prefer Flash to Arrow. Yeah, I usually do too. I give this one a straight up B. Some of the same uh, same uh, things that you guys mentioned, and I do agree. The second half was better paced. Let's go right to it, shall we? It's uh, Arrow, Legends of Yesterday, uh, season four, episode eight, and uh, Team Arrow after dealing with Vandal Savage, uh, you know, temporarily, as it were. Are getting away from him, they go to uh, out of the city. Uh, out, they go out to the country, and uh, we get a nice little quip from Thea. A bunch of superheroes in a farmhouse. I feel like I saw this in a movie before. I love that. Thea won the. She Sorry. won the best lines in this. In this. Yeah. So she didn't have a lot to. She, they didn't give her a lot to say, but when she did say stuff, she she was funny. Uh, Carter believes that Kendra needs to be trained to use her latent powers before they confront Savage, and they have to figure out a way to get Santa, uh, Vandal Savage's uh, staff away from him. Not everyone wants to fight Savage. Merlin calls Oliver when he's out investigating his possible fatherhood. More on that later. Ugh. He says he set up, uh, sets, he set up a meeting with Savage to settle the dispute. Don't trust him. But, you know, Merlin's like, this is the only way. You're not going to be able to take out Vandal Savage. There's no way. He doesn't, uh, you know, Malcolm says he knows so little about it and about him, and that's why he fears him. Yeah, thanks for the credit. They meet Vandal Savage, and Savage says, you know, you have 24 hours to turn over Carter and Kendra to me, or I'm going to destroy Central City and then go destroy Star City. I will destroy everyone you ever loved, and you all die. So, uh... Barry asks him if he rehearsed that speech in a mirror or he just pulled it off the cuff. Yeah. But uh, Savage is in plain means. His rhetoric is very Zod-like. It's very yeah. awful, all expository. It's all like, you will listen to me because I speak like this. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's yeah. all the way. He's more he's more threatening than the Ra's al Ghul, I think. That they have oh, totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah he- more of like an entity rather than a person. When Barry comes back after the meeting with uh, with Savage, it turns out he sees an, uh, he's ghosting again. The way yeah. he did before when he traveled through time, he saw mm-hmm. a ghost of himself. Barry's kind of freaking out about that. Diggle gets a Betamax tape from Argus. <laughs> For our generation, uh, we actually know what that is. Yeah. yeah. Are they going to be like going to like Bing search and checking out what that means? <laughs> Here's what I want to know. Is she like, uh, like Felicity is immediately able to play it. Yeah. Like immediately. Like, I'm like, on what? 
How? How did you do? What the hell did you do? You got a built-in thingamajig. But the only thing that uh, the the uh, professor from 1975 tells him is that there's some sort of cataclysm coming, and that Daniel Savage is at the center of it. And you can totally tell that they will be in Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, there will yeah. be in 1975 meeting that mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It says if his theory is correct, then Vandal Savage became mortal because of some earthbound calamity mm-hmm. that something, some lineup of events happened, and that's why he's immortal. But that any artifacts that were there at that cataclysmic event would possibly kill him. So he gives away a lot in the little Betamax. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oliver visits Samantha at her home and is able to get a strand of her son's hair. Uh, he has Barry run some tests on it, and as uh, Barry is running the DNA, or showing Oliver the DNA sample, Felicity walks in. Barry tries to hide it from her, but she sees it, and I guess Felicity can recognize uh, his DNA after running it so many Dang, times. That's scary. That is weird. Here, she in the stalker zombie bit. <laughs> Uh, Oliver goes to confront Samantha about her, you know, his fatherhood or whatever. Uh, he says, you know, she shows him the check that her mom, his mom wrote her to go away for a million dollars that she never cashed. She just didn't want him to be part of that life. But, you know, Oliver's like, I've changed a lot. You know, my, my entire life has changed. And, you know, this is my son. Felicity confronts Oliver about this afterwards. Uh, she's not angry because he has a kid, but she is angry that he wasn't going to tell her. And he can't tell her why he couldn't tell her. Right, exactly. I didn't listen to that. That whole thing. Yeah. You hid the baby from, you hid, but that was my kid too, and you hid her. I mean, you hid the fact that you, that you had my child. Right. And you're going to tell me I can't tell my significant other? Get out of here. Right. Why wouldn't you say it first when she said, oh, you have a child? Why would you say it way before you? Why wouldn't those words have been uttered right off? Way This child is not a baby. This child is a freaking child. Okay? I'm just finding out about that. Why wouldn't he say that? That whole conversation know. recorded. That's the Why? whole thing. The, that, that was definitely a CW. I'm uh, holding information that I don't need to hold. That was, I was, my wife, even my wife does not watch Arrow, but it was on in the room. Mm-hmm. And um, she was like, oh, wow, this is a very CW show. Totally. <laughs> I said, it is. <laughs> Unfortunately. Because you just could have, because you just could have went to, to Felicity and just said, I don't know how we going to work this out. You know, like, we this what work out. Yeah, this you. is what happened. Um, you've lied to criminals before. Like, you can't. All right, I mean, I wouldn't even have made that promise to her. I really wouldn't have. I'd, I'd have told her, I'm going to tell, you know, I'm going to tell my girlfriend. I am. You know, you can't tell me I can't tell her. What kind of nonsense is that? It's it's completely nonsensical. What difference would that make at all? No. At all. If I can't even tell this kid I'm, I'm his father. We're going to have to talk about that. Like, yeah. that, that's not going, that's not going to go. Like, that's not my fault my mom did that. You know, like, she... She came out and and did that. You you don't get a chance. That whole thing of I'm gonna protect. Listen, you could do all that if you want to. That's I get that. I get that you want to protect them, but that's just not your own. That's not your just your son. That's our son. So I mean, I'd rather talk to you than talk through lawyers. Yeah. So what you, you know, want to do? What you want to do? do? You know, because 
And this is, you know, he has, he has it right, you know. He fell back too fast. Like, I don't, like, I, you know, like, hey, come on now. Because uh, they they, uh, they get their uh, their stuff together for Vandal Savage. So it's just going to be, I guess for this showdown, it's just going to be Oliver and uh, and Barry and the Hawks. Uh, they lure Vandal Savage into a false sense of security. They free Carter and Kendra. Kendra is unable to channel her powers in the combat. Barry and Oliver get a hold of the staff, but the gloves that Cisco made don't work. Um, Oliver tells Barry to save himself. He tells Barry, you know, run, Barry, run. And Barry, I like that. Barry runs. Vandal gets a hold of the staff again and knocks them both out. And he pulls like a, uh, a Ronin from Guardians of the Galaxy thing and slams it on the ground and causes this huge shockwave explosion. Totally. And they show everybody dying and incinerating, run. except for except for Barry, Barry who is running as fast as he can. And guess what? He's ghosting. This yes, is, he now is. He, but now he's the ghost. Now he's up to that part. Yeah, he's up to that part where he went back in time again. Mm-hmm. Um. I can't wait for him to get up to that part where he, his mother, like when he gets to the to the to that point in time where he he has to go see his mother. Yeah, and he tells his other self not to save her. Like I don't know what the heck happens that you you know like that causes him to have to say that. But I want to know. I really want to know. I think they're going to end up having to pay that off at some point. They have to. I mean, I don't see them not doing that. So Barry ends up uh, seeing his past self, and then he ends up back in the meeting with Savage, Oliver, and Malcolm. Oh yeah. And then he reveals after the mirror. He reveals to Oliver after the meeting that he's time traveled, and then everything ends in in death and destruction. And the first thing he wants to change is Oliver's mindset. He tells him about the hair sample test, the fight with Felicity, the paternity revelation. And then Oliver goes about fixing Kendra's problem by sending Cisco to help her reach her inner self rather than someone she doesn't know, Carter. Um, Cisco takes charge, he pushes Carter away, and then he's able to uh, have Kendra focus on the healing side of it all, like the priestess part of, of her mm-hmm. past life. And she's able to figure out that um, the, uh, the, you know, the, she is able to see her very first death. At the hands of Vandal Savage, right? Uh, and it was it was the staff that he used was imbued with the same minerals as some falling meteors that were coming down the sky rocks, as they call them. And Barry steals some of the mineral from a from a local museum mm-hmm. uh, to use in Cisco's gloves. So now the staff the gloves do work, right? Uh, they have nth metal. Do you see nod? Nice. I know when they said nth metal, I was like, yes. Cisco said it first, I think. Yeah, he did. He did. Now the gloves work. Kendra has accepted her past. Oliver has uh, one final change to make. Instead of it just being him and Barry, he invites the whole team. Right. He gets everybody in on all of Team Arrow, everybody. And, uh, Magnegro. Including Magnegro. <laughs> um, the fight just plays out just as it did and until Thea, Diggle, and Laurel come in. And then Kendra is able to soar into battle with her wings. Uh, the attacks from every side allow Barry and Oliver to grab the staff. And this time, the gloves prevent it from knocking Barry back. Uh, Oliver helps him once again. They both hold on to it. You know, he refuses to leave Barry alone in the fight. They're able to zap fat, Savage to dust. And the staff disappears in their hands. And they save everyone. And as soon as I saw that happen, I'm like, nah, he's not gone. Yeah. Legends of Tomorrow. 
Yeah, we know. I mean, that's, that's kind of we know. So in the epilogue, we the kind of epilogue scenes, Kendra's going to go off with Carter to Santa La Roche. Uh, she says goodbye to Cisco. Although Cisco does give her an nth metal uh, GPS locator in case you know she never is in trouble. Oliver and Barry talk about you know what's, what is he going to say to Felicity. He has a nice moment with Felicity, but he doesn't tell her. No. Um, Stupid dummy. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, and. Uh, Oliver returns to Samantha, promises to keep William a secret from everyone, even if Felicity, even Felicity, so that he can uh, play with him. Until she dies at the end of the season, and then you have to raise your child. And then you have to tell Felicity that you kept that lie, and now she's mad at you. Yep. Because that's what I see happening right there. Right. Uh, Oliver plays action figures with his son. Yeah. Final scene of the episode, probably one of my favorite scenes. Malcolm shows up where Valiant Venom Savage got dusted, scoops up his ashes into a container and says, You owe me one, buddy. I swear you can't trust that, that dude. I know. I think he's going to try to use that to like jazz up his Lazarus pit. Well, Probably. He's obviously DC dead. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we got to see during this show, or during Flash, right? The uh, Legends of Tomorrow? Yeah. Mm-hmm for a fact that he's back. So nothing's really like a, a cliffhanger at the end of this. We know from the trailers he's back. Well, yeah, or or it is to go through going through time. It might not be the present Sam, uh, Savage that is alive. Maybe yeah. the past version of it. Having Merlin scoop up of his ashes. I assume yeah. it was. Yeah. Or maybe he wants to make the he wants to be alive again. Like he his past selves are all converging to to uh to bring himself to resurrect himself. Yeah. Now Or maybe if he dumps all the ashes into the Lazarus pit it'll react somehow and Savage mm-hmm. will be reborn. Or they get more of that mineral the the meteorite. Yeah. And made him immortal. Anything could happen. Or Flash could uh ghost jump and <laughs> Or you could get the power up uh, under the stairs if you go through the pipes into the secret level and knock out the third block. There's a power up there. Obviously. All right. <laughs> I give uh, I give Arrow an A this this week. Uh, I thought this was a stronger half of the, of the um, uh, crossover, and I liked the way it resolved, and I was totally pretty happy with it, except for the. The Oliver paternity stuff and him keeping yes. it from Felicity—it seemed a little too, <laughs> a little too much CW and a really and what otherwise is a really tight action episode. Because it wasn't a real like it wasn't a real obstacle. Because there's no, no reason for him to not be able to tell. Not at all. Should no. totally put that in the next episode or in another episode. I mean, not in this crossover. You know yeah, I mean? it it was. It was just something. They, yeah. I, I, only thing is, I do like that they had no flashback. No eyes. Yes, no flashbacks. You don't need them all the time. But it did. It did put a B. It made it a B plus. But it would have been an A if it wasn't for the paternity test thing, because that was just so. It was just not necessary. And then it it was just that that melodrama, that TV melodrama of trying to make it be something more than it. You want to hear like the Dawson's Creeks music or something like this crap really matters. <laughs> right. It's just so like 
<laughs> it seems to be like its greatest weakness is like it trips over its own CW-ness. It does. It's like, it was just good superhero show, but here, here are some sappy CW-ness to kind of bring it down. Like, you didn't need to tell. Like, there's no, you you and Felicity are in a perfect place. Like, there's no reason why you couldn't say, you know what, I'm going to think about it. Because I'm not going to make that decision just like that. I'm not going to decide to not say anything. Or just say, I I won't. And then go and just tell Felicity anyway. What is she going to do? You keep (laughs) secrets. You tell lies. What is she gonna do if you say I w- I won't tell and then you go and tell? Mm-hmm. What is what is that woman gonna do? Nothing. She wouldn't even know until my lawyers hit her with a suit. Yep, that's what I was thinking too. I'm like, what is? Gonna I just be don't like? want her to run. Like I would tell her yeah. that just to keep her from running, and then uh, right after that, boom. But I sure as heck would tell Felicity. I, there's no reason not to tell Felicity. Yep. About. Other than causing problems down the road. Yeah, it's like you are making you are making it a problem. It's just stupid. I'm gonna give it an A, and I'm gonna go over what Daryl said about Felicity having the best line in the show. I'm gonna say Cisco has the best line in the show because he actually utters the words the first rule of time travel is that you don't talk about time travel. <laughs> which is awesome. Which yeah. made me love Cisco even though he loved all through his episode of Flash. This is so much stronger. I mean, this era was so much stronger than the Flash. I mean, I know it's supposed to be a two-parter and cohesive, but I got so much more out of Arrow. I actually got Vandal Savage's background and weakness and hot girl coming into her own and realizing who she is and everything happened in this one yeah the farmhouse kind of the, the farmhouse discussion in the beginning was really good too yeah that, that worked hey sweet well you've heard what we thought about the week of dctv uh, we asked i asked uh the people in our facebook group what they thought of this week of dctv and they chimed in with some opinions. And Robert Cooper, uh, I love the Flaro crossover. The characters really work well together and benefit from random crossing over to each other's shows. Uh, the Temple of Doom reference was amazing. I liked it. It was the only thing that Thea understood. Mm. Uh, I also liked the shade thrown at the uh, Age of Ultron farmhouse sequence. Savage is a great vil- villain. Five Shankara stones for both episodes, in my opinion. Uh, Luke Foster, uh, Supergirl was fun. I love the Red Tornado and would be disappointed if we don't get to see him return somehow. Uh, Jason Foss, on the other hand, I hate to say it, but the Red Tornado sucks so hard. <laughs> However, I'm enjoying how Melissa Benoist is, in, is growing into the role. She's a standout, along with Calista Flockhart as Cat Grant. Uh, but I think they need to figure out their show fast because I don't think it's quite working, and I know this could be a good show. Uh, the, the Flash Arrow crossover was everything I hoped to be and more, even more excited for Legends. Uh, Gotham just continues to rocket this year. I imagine people are going to be upset with Gordon's actions, and I think the show has a long way to go in regards to his character's obviously dark, troubling choices. Can they make him the Gordon we all know and love? I'm hoping, but I'm looking forward to its return. Uh, Emmanuel Gibson, I love that Supergirl. Got a full season order, and that means certain someone will be on the show. And I hope we get to retweet again on the show, because he really didn't do anything or even speak. Let's see, uh, Red Tornado, uh, again on the show. Um, no, Gotham, nothing on these surprises me anymore. No way. Gordon is who we know. I think he's just going to be anti-hero 
who knows about Bruce being Batman when he first uh, starts right off the bat. Uh, having Mr. Freeze is cool. I uh, love the f- crossover on Flash Arrow. I thought that would be the winter finale, but it looks like Flash is doing a Christmas-themed episode next week. Uh, not sure about Arrow, but I can't wait to see Wally and Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, John Davis wrote in, uh, Bruce had a plan. That's true. I like that little scene at the end with him, uh, Alfred, and Cat. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, I had three different contingency plans to get me out of this. I mean, that was a very Batman thing, too. Always oh, has a yeah. contingency plan. Exactly. He finally gets it. They finally get it. They're finally starting to make let Bruce Wayne be Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Donnie Salvo, our good friend from the Nothing's On podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we're about to celebrate our 200th podcast with him. Yeah. Uh, I only saw Supergirl so far, but I was impressed with Red Tornado. It was a lot better looking than I thought it would be, especially since none of the costume was CGI. It was a bit clunky, but for a TV budget, especially a new show, it was pretty good. I also like dealing with all the anger issues, and Channing Tatum's wife is not a good actor. <laughs> is she the one who plays Alex? Yeah, she, Mrs. Channing Tatum was, was Jimmy or James Olsen's ex slash current girlfriend. Oh, okay, yes. Lucy yeah, Lane. Lucy Lane. Yeah. Lucy Lane. Okay. Well, is she supposed to be army though? And she's supposed to be detached first. She didn't a... give that off though, as being detached at army. Did, at well, she all. was in the uniform. She did. Kind of. It, it didn't last well, that long. She's she not broke... known for her acting. No. Just go ahead and say that. Not really. No. Well, uh, those are all our comments from the DC TV podcast Facebook group. And if you would like to join our Facebook group, we're awesome. That would be awesome. We've got a few new members recently. We're up to 170 uh, members on the group. A lot of good news there. A lot of good uh, analysis and opinions about the Batman v Superman trailer that just dropped that we talked about at the top of the show. Um, and and you know, different opinions and things like that. For instance, uh, one of the uh, pictures that uh, uh, Anton Kromoff put up, uh, he asks if there are parademons in the trailer. And I didn't notice this shot until I saw the... Uh, the still. Also, Carlos Carmona uh, um, pointed this out. But there are winged men grabbing people mm-hmm. off the ground. Which is kind of weird. I, I didn't realize it. Flying monkeys are obviously in Batman v Superman. It's obvious. No. <laughs> no. Mm, mm, mm. Um, no? I, don't, I don't know if that would be a good crossover for them. Okay. Uh, right. Maybe uh, if you'd like to join the Facebook group, that's great. We also uh, emails dctvpodcast at gmail.com. Check that out. Write us an email what you thought about the uh, the season finale of uh, of Gotham or the crossover or whatever. Uh, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, just a few things in the news bucket other than, of course, the big trailer and all of the dissection and, and uh, reflection uh, thereof. Uh, Marco Grazzini is coming to Flash to play the metahuman known as Tar Pit. Mm-hmm. Uh, able to return into uh, molten asphalt, which is an uh, interesting. Uh, yes. He will smell like ass. Fault. Fault. <laughs> <laughs> Through no fault of his own. <laughs> um, I know last week we talked about how stupid it was that there was some sort of rivalry between Jessica Jones and Supergirl. Uh, mm-hmm. we, somebody posted that uh, clickbait article about how. You know, Jessica Jones is so much better, and she couldn't take Supergirl seriously. Mm. Well, Shut up. Yeah, exactly. That's what we said <laughs> for about a half. We talked mm. about it for a good 20 minutes, half hour, and that's what we said. Yeah. Like, Shut the hell up. Uh, Kristen Ritter and Melissa, Melissa Benoist over uh, Twitter and social media and whatnot 
have nothing but love for each other. There's a really cool uh, thing that we posted here in the Facebook group about uh, Kristen Ritter saying how amazing Supergirl is and Melissa Benoist uh, returning the favor about Jessica Jones. So they have, like, you know, they have kind of have each other's backs as women in the leads in superhero shows. And that's cool. Uh, Gotham's ratings have caught up to Supergirl's. Ooh. Supergirl's ratings have decreased since the pilot. Gotham's ratings have slowly increased as the season has gone on. And now they are neck and neck. Wow. In the same time slot. That's up. So that is really interesting. I think the show's matured so much, season two from season one. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. improved a lot. Totally. Yeah, think... There were times when Fish Mooney made me just want to like quit watching it completely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was rough. Yeah. It was rough. But now we're in the season two, and I mean, we have, I don't know, I think it's really, really hit its stride. It's really found its tone. It's kind of, you know, got that sweet spot in between camp and, and total like dark violence that, you know, is oh. really. And it's got really so many layers. There's so much things you can pick out of it, and not just the references, but the metaphors and the uh, the cinematography. It's it's kind of amazing to behold at this point. Yeah, uh, Supergirl, as we mentioned before, got picked up for a full season, and there's a thank you video that we have posted on the DCTV podcast uh, Facebook group that they put out to thank the the viewers for their support. So they got a full season order. We also uh, got rumors this week of Constantine being uh, thought of for uh, DC Legends of Tomorrow uh, Season 2. And that The Flash may cross over into Supergirl in May. I would love that. I heard there was going to be no Flash Supergirl like three days ago. Somebody posted that. I can't trust the book of face. Yeah. Well, until, <laughs> until there's, I mean, they will obviously make an official announcement. Right. Right. And it, sure. As far as, I mean, it's just speculation now. I mean, and obviously it's rooted in the fact that, you know, the same production company, same producer, yeah. Berlanti, you know, um, so same casting, same everything. So they have the same kind of vibe on those two shows. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're they both, both start really yeah. upbeat, positive. I could see that. Yeah, and they both start out with, you know, my name is Barry Allen. Right. You know, my name is Kara Zorrell, you know. They have that same kind of setup. Yeah, there's such a sense of like fun and unabashed nerdiness. I could see them being a, a duo. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, but that's Unlike really a Flash or Arrow who has to be uh, forced to give Barry a hug. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a good scene. That was a good scene. Yeah. Okay, so that's it for the DC TV podcast this week. Uh, if you, uh, like I said, you can get get to us on the Facebook group. You can get to us at dctvpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow us at dctv underscore podcast on the Twitters. You might want to do that because every time there's a new show, we're going to put it up there. Anytime we yeah. come up with a news tidbit, we're going to put it up there. Um, you know, that's, that's that'll be a good go-to for all of your dctv news and uh, and all your stuff like that. So definitely... Like I said, follow us. Send us a tell us, uh, tell us what you like, what you didn't like on DCTV so far this year. If you enjoyed Nerdy Podcasts, then by all means, uh, head over to the Taylor Network of Podcasts. There's so many podcasts over there. It is, it is incredible. Including shows that Jerry is on, the uh, the, snark, uh, the uh, Comic Rack Snark Fest. Yay. And many, many shows that Daryl Taylor is on because he is the man of a thousand podcasts, as we all know. Sure. Um, the, the, the mogul of the tycoon himself. Um, 
there was, you know, no apologies. There's nothing's on. There's, yeah, I said it. There's JK's happy hour. Uh, Wade's World from Artheus Wade is a really fun podcast to listen to as well. Um, Sunday Comics Podcast. So many podcasts there, TaylorNorkPodcast.com. And uh, DC TV Podcast originates from HHWLOD.com. That's the uh, Half Hour Wasted Legion of Dudes podcast. In case you're ever wondering what that, those letters stood for, um, that's where we all came from. Uh, we are, you know, we have some great podcasts there as well. Walking Dead TV podcast. We have the Black Box over there with the Weedenverse podcast. And of course, um, um, it's all connected to the Marvel podcast. We're doing a series right now at HHWLOD all about the Star Wars movies. Uh, we've, we're up to, uh, we just did our, recorded our episode uh, four as some people call it, I just call it Star Wars. Because that's what was on the sign when I walked in the movie theater when I was nine years old. Mm. It said Star Wars. Uh, but we just recorded that one, which should be out by, probably by the time this episode is out. And uh, Daryl joined us for episode, what, you're on episode three and four now? Yeah, I think, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Fun time. Uh, but we got a lot of uh, a lot of cool guests from across the network. We got Craig DeMonda from the... Uh, the uh, the uh, the auto chat uh, podcast and uh, and Frank Rincon from Half Hour Wasted and uh, um, just you know all over the network people are coming in to talk about Star Wars all leading up of course to that little Star Wars movie you may have heard of, may have heard about that's coming up I don't know if you guys are aware you know, it's a little independent film you know not a lot of promotion not a lot of publicity nope. about it no it's kind of underground <laughs> yeah it's real underground yeah yeah. <laughs> They're going to show it once in somebody's in somebody's basement, and they're going to burn the print. Right, you got to go to an art house theater. You have to have the password. Right, they're going to project it. We're going to project it on the side of a camper. Basically, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, thanks for joining us, Jerry, and uh, and and, and uh, as our special guest, and Daryl. Thank you once again for joining me down this uh, yeah. journey down DC TV land. And until next week, we have. Still more wonderful DC TV to talk about. We are Ghost. Good night. That's the girl of the hour by the water towers watch. If your friend took a fall, are you obligated to follow?
Time after time.